0: Welcome to From the Files, we reach into our archives to recap, rewind and remember headlines from the past 65 years of KUAM. In this episode, we're digging into our files, taking a look at typhoons that devastated our region. We'll bring you the sights and sounds from Typhoon Omar in 1992, Typhoon Paka in 1997, and Typhoon Sata'an in 2002.
1: Typhoon Omar not only wreaked havoc with our lives, but also the many thousands of visitors who happened to be here when the storm struck.
2: There is the immediate cost of rebuilding, of course, what Omar destroyed, but there's also a long-term toll on what's been the island's bread and butter. Omar
1: turned the bustling Tumon tourist mecca into a virtual ghost town, and the tourism industry is just now getting back on its feet.
0: Typhoon Omar made landfall in 1992. Nestor Lacanto and Ginger Cruz anchored from in the field, examining the economic crisis that followed. Reporter Patrick McMurtry saw some of the devastating damage.
3: Thousands of homeowners share a common task, rebuilding what Omar tore down. The typhoon damaged an estimated 4,000 homes, destroying over 1,000 of them. The initial reaction of most of the people facing the enormous challenge of rebuilding their homes was positive, Federal officials credit this to Guam's vast experience in rebuilding after typhoons. The first chore, clearing debris. The second, apply for federal aid. And when the money starts coming in, reconstruction begins. Many of those affected by the storm apply for small business administration loans. And the lead man for the SBA, John Brenner, says both the pace of applications and processing have been on the fast track.
0: Say some of the smaller loans, some of our unsecured loans will they, they go very fast. As a matter of fact, of the applications we've received, we already have approvals that are uh, back in Sacramento and the latest word I had is we have funding on them already. Uh, so we're just waiting for some word of when, uh, within the next week, when we're gonna be able to uh, uh, start doing some disbursement on some of the smaller loans.
3: Brenner says the number of applications handed out by the SBA after Omar surpasses the number of apps handed following Typhoon Pamela in 1976. That means a lot of people will be building or rebuilding in the coming months. But what about the people left homeless after their rental units were destroyed? That question will likely plague the Ad administration for a long, long time. One suggestion is to build a large apartment complex. Do that, what the governor is, is, is proposing, and again, we have strong legislative support on this, is that another area be turned over to the Guam Housing Corporation. Guam Housing Corporation will use its own financing ability to erect a, an apartment structure of a minimum of 200 units. And these will be immediately put on the rental market. And again, they'll be, the, the program will be set up so that so that for those who are lower income, Section 8 assistance will be available. That may be a short-term solution, but could to be a long-term housing project no better than a ghetto. Still, it's one unique solution lawmakers will consider. A grassroots movement gathering steam would have the government build a lot of the Lockwood homes that came through Omar unscathed. Besides being durable, the homes can, at least according to the builder, be put up in two weeks.
0: And some residents give back while building back. In this next story from our 1993 rebroadcast, KOAM takes a look back at some of the relief efforts, many of those in the community serving for the greater good.
2: The outpouring of support to help those hurt by Omar was perhaps among the best in the world. In three weeks, the people of Guam gave a million dollars to the effort, not counting all the other little gestures of kindness that made life easier for all of us.
1: The majority of them, they're very generous. Uh, some, uh, some, they, there's no response. <laughs> they just nod their head, no, or they just leave.
0: We're trying our best to make them as much typhoon proof improvement as possible, but we're not going to guarantee it because they are not concrete.
2: His name is Omar, oh just like the storm, he eats a fury too. His favorite food is Crispy Bill's, one thousand thin and new. He's trained to stay right by your side until the job gets done. Please give and share as best you can for the American Red Cross Fund.
3: We saw this uh, an antenna today that had toppled onto a car and uh, it was a rather, you know, pretty extravagant hood ornament for the, the size of the car. Uh, okay. Kind of crushed the, the, the hood and the roof right into the, the tires.
2: Well, we're just trying to keep the public moving, you know, because uh, the lights have been out. We want to help, control, uh, help GPD uh, control the traffic moving, that way you have less accidents. But it's like anybody, you entertain them, they're in a good mood, they keep moving. They don't get frustrated.
1: When you get frustrated drivers, you get careless drivers.
0: Five years later, our files show images of Typhoon Paka which ripped through Guam in 1997 these images of Typhoon Kaka ripping its way through Guam, is now giving
1: way to pictures like these. Although it's been five days since the storm slammed into our island, recovery efforts are only just beginning. Islanders are still waiting for the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, to give them money to recover. Here is just a handful of more than 200 members connected on Guam. Ever since Typhoon Paca damaged equipment at Guam International Airport, flying people into Guam has been slow. Well, that, of course, has been our primary problem, the inability to get the people here. We have the people waiting to come, but we can't get them in. Newton says it will be another seven to ten days before disaster recovery centers are set up. In addition to those... We have what's going to be called a teleregistration assistance line which starting tomorrow, I believe, and we'll have more information later today on that, people will be able to call beginning tomorrow uh, a number, and they can apply for assistance by calling that phone number. The organization will not be releasing that number until the system is activated. Meanwhile, FEMA is not the only agency working to put Guam residents back on their feet again. The Salvation Army has been helping out since day one. Hundred miles to feed every day. Captain Dave Harmon says supplies are running out.
3: We have uh, exhausted our supply of pantry food. That's groceries that we give out to f- have cooked. Um, so we're restocking on that, and we'll be getting uh, be, be going on that again early in the new week.
1: Starting tomorrow, the organization will begin yes. handing out free clothes to victims. You'll need a written statement from a mayor, priest, or government official saying you need help. And for those of you who are lucky to have escaped Paka, relatively unscathed. Whatever uh, the, the community or the public can do to, uh, to help provide uh, resources, whether it's financial or in-kind uh, donations, uh, uh, we would really appreciate uh, their kakua in helping to, uh, to see that uh, the families who have been greatly affected by this typhoon have those resources.
0: And in 2002, Sata'an made landfall.
1: Condition one um, is uh, 12 hours out. And that uh, that is uh, actually going to indicate uh, um, wind of uh, about 58 to 60 miles per hour. Damaging winds 58 to 60 miles per hour.
0: Its I passed northern Guam and brought heavy rain and wind. Here's our report on the aftermath.
2: Even during the midst of the second wave of Typhoon Satsa and residents in the central part of the island were taking stock of the damage to their homes and trying their best to clean and repair their land. Flooding and down power and telephone lines in the downtown areas of Vigania and parts of Timoning stall drivers as they make their way through the streets checking out the devastation. With sustaining winds at 115 miles per hour with stronger gusts, vehicles here in Timonning were thrown as if they were toy cars. The scene seems so unreal, considering many people never truly expected the storm to hit so hard. That's especially true for the vendors who had set up shop at this year's Liberation Carnival, who may not have heeded the warnings to secure their sites and have now lost nearly everything. The light materials used to construct their booths were no matter, for Tsatsa Ann's fury. The destruction at the season's site is heart-wrenching considering the time, money, and hard work the vendors put into their temporary businesses. Tin, lumber, and even merchandise food and prizes were strewn about, much of it damaged beyond repair. For Johanna, it was crushing to find her booth destroyed as she and her family have sunk a great deal of their savings into the carnival site, especially as it was their first time setting up a booth. Yes, this is my first time. It was actually my sister, sister-in-law. sister She left off island, so she handed it down to me. And this is the very first time in the beginning. Johanna and her family, like most of the other vendors, will now have to pit through the rubble, trying to save what they can, trying to recoup their losses. Just try and salvage everything as much as I can. At least our birds are still there. The animals, at least are hard to find here, especially the the amount of money lost by both the vendors and the government of Guam through the annihilation of the carnival cannot even be measured yet. Department of Administration Acting Director Cliff Guzman.
1: It's, it's devastating, definitely. I mean, um, a lot of people put a lot of hard work into this um, and there was a lot of high expectations and hopes that uh, it would be a good thing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody expected this. and. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do now. I'm going to have to talk to the vendors. Uh, some of them are out here picking up some stuff and uh, seeing what they can salvage. And It'll be up to the vendors what they want to do and uh, we'll have to balance that against the cost of cranking it up if we do that.
2: Here at Teeds, and I'm standing at what was until yesterday the site of the Liberation Carnival, as usual, slated to carry on throughout the summer. However, until assessments can be made, it's unsure at this point whether the carnival will even resume as this site, like so many others, is utterly devastated. Reporting from Season 4 KUAM News, I'm Yana Persson.
0: These images, from our files, seared in our island's memories. A reminder of what still might be brewing in our future. You're listening to From the Files. I'm Tomas Manglownia. Stay tuned for more episodes from our KUAM podcast network.